The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Today we are um, in the middle of summer and we're right in the middle of a series that we started a couple weeks ago uh, called Fresh Air. And we really believe that this time of year, um, that there's people all across this room who who in essence need this spiritual drink of cold water um, in our world. Because it's easy during the summertime, right, to have ups and downs. And and sometimes during the summer, there seems to be more downs than there are ups. And so we just, we really want to move you from this state of, of being in the doldrums, as we talked about in week one, this place of stagnation. This place of being in a rut, whether that's in your job, whether that's in your marriage, uh, whether that's spiritually, but move you back into a place of purpose and destiny. And that's that's allowing this fresh air of the Holy Spirit to blow into your world and move you to where you want to be. And our our theme verse for, for really this series is so powerful, and it's found in the book of Deuteronomy. And this is what it would say. This day I call... Heaven and earth is witnesses against you that I have set before you. Remember, we've talked about it's all about choices. I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Choose life. And that's what we want you to do every single week is when you leave here, we want you to choose life. Because the choice is yours. It's not up to me. It's not up to your spouse. It's up to you. And so the fresh air principle from week one was simply fall in love with Jesus. That is the foundational message of this series that you have to fall in love with Jesus. And last week, Pastor Rex taught us a principle that I know if you have already started applying it to your world, that you've noticed some wind blowing into your sails again. And it, it's so simple, but it's so powerful. Once again, we're talking about choices that you have to choose a Christ-like Attitude. Choose a Christ-like attitude. And today we're going to deal with what I believe is an epidemic in our society. Really, I think it's the reason why we seem to find ourselves in the doldrums more often than not. It's the thing that I believe is really sucking the life out of us. And today we're going to deal with, are you ready? Our hectic pace. Now I know you're... Oh, great, we're going to talk. No, 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 listen. You, I, I don't do a whole lot of... No, 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 you're going to find today. I have a feeling that you're going you're gonna to identify with today's message in a way that you really had no idea um, that you would be able to identify with. And so, really, you understand this, though, that our, our pace can kill us. A lot of times it's killing our family life. We get... Home late because of traffic, we grab a cold piece of pizza, like that's three weeks old, out of the fridge, right? And we, we, we eat on that because we didn't have time to really grab dinner with the family. We help kids with algebra homework that we last learned in 1977, maybe, you know, and you're trying to work your way through this. You have no clue what you're doing, so you're Googling and just trying to, you know, well, I don't know what I'm doing, calculator, but you can't use a cal. you have to show your work. Crazy. I don't just we have calculators now. Why do we have to show our work? That makes no sense to me, but I'm not an algebra teacher. And the only intimate touch that you would get from your spouse is an elbow to the ribs, letting you know that somebody's snoring and it's not them. It just might be you. And church today, listen, 
You know that you are too busy when you can't finish the book that you're reading on stress, right? You know that you're too busy when you tell your kids it's time to eat and they run to the car. Yeah. You know that you're too busy. This is going to speak to somebody. Yes, speak, Lord. When your car has more clothes in it than your closet. If you're like the average American in your lifetime, you will eat out 14,411 times, including 1,811 trips to McDonald's for McNuggets, of course, only with sweet and sour sauce. I made that last part up. You will spend 13 years and four months watching TV. You will spend, this is awful, you will spend five years waiting in line. I was at SeaWorld last weekend and I felt like I waited all five years last weekend, right there, in one weekend. You will spend one year, some of you, this is going to be longer, one year looking for misplaced items. You will attend 35 weddings and drive some 627,000 miles. Crazy. We live in a fast-paced society where we try to do more, keep up with everybody. And you've heard the expression from time to time, the the handwriting on the wall. Anybody heard this expression? Well, you you may or may not know that this actually comes from a, a biblical story that relates to the topic that we're preaching about today. And it's about a a king by the name of Belshazzar who is doing, I don't know, I'm not a king, so I don't know what kings do, but he's doing whatever kings do on this day. And out of the wall pops this hand. And the hand would turn and begin to write on the wall. And and here's what the handwriting would say. It would say, many, many, tekel, parson. Anybody know what that means? No, me neither. So he's right. He he reads the writing. He's like, what? I I don't know what this says. And and he really begins to get nervous that he calls in all of his magicians and all of the astronomers of the time saying, listen, if you can interpret this, I've got to know what this says. And if you can do this, I'm going to give you gold and I'm going to make you the third most powerful person in our region, if you can inter- listen, the Bible literally says that he was so nervous about this. This is hilarious. That his knees were knocking together. The Bible tells us this, that he was extremely nervous. And, and nobody, as you can imagine, can interpret the handwriting on the wall. And his wife, ladies, you are so much smarter than we give you credit for sometimes. His wife comes up with a brilliant plan. Hey, honey, I... There's this, there's this guy that we have in slavery who is really smart and he's really close to God. And I think that he might be able to tell us what this means. So they bring Daniel in. And Daniel, of course, would know exactly what this handwriting would mean. He didn't want their money. He didn't want their power. He didn't want any of that. And this is where we pick up in Daniel chapter 5. This is what these words mean. Can you imagine telling the king this? God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. You have been weighed on the scales and been found wanting. That's not easy to tell the king. So let's step out for a moment and let's apply this passage of scripture to our own life. Okay, so read it as if he's talking to you. God has numbered your days. He's telling us that we have a certain amount of days to live 
But there will be an end to them. And then he continues, you have been weighed on the scales and you have been found wanting. In essence, he's saying this, you have been weighing your life and it's out of balance. You've been weighing your life and and it's out of control that it's not what you wanted it to be. It's not what you really thought that it should be. And I have a feeling this morning that this passage speaks directly to many of our hearts this morning. What if you were to weigh your life on the scales? Would the handwriting be on the wall? If God were to weigh your life, would it be found wanting? What, what about your spouse if she were to weigh your life or your, your children? Would your life be found wanting? And the Bible is, is very clear about how this, this hurried pace and this, this busyness of life affects us. Especially when we're tired. And I found several things that I have found to be true. Some of these in my own world for sure. Um, But symptoms really of a hurried life. And I want to share them with you this morning. The first is this. When I'm living a hurried lifestyle, the risk of sinful choices increases. When I'm tired... My resistance level lowers. It's, it's more difficult for me to discern um, right from wrong when, when I'm worn out. Listen, this is when the enemy likes to step in and set a trap for you. It's not going to be when you walk out these doors and you're on a spiritual high because Ricardo is here. Woo! No, it's when you're worn out, when you're exhausted, when you're depleted, that the enemy likes to step in and just set set a little trap for you. And that's when you find yourself falling into this cycle that we can't get out of. And it's interesting, I read recently that in Colorado there's a certain type of of rain that Colorado has a difficult time handling. And it's not just the major downpours, that's not what it is at all, but in fact, it's the slow, steady drizzly rain that they have a difficult time dealing with. And it's because they have so many mountains and so many hills that if it rains slow and steady, that the ground, this is, this is powerful, the ground will become saturated and destabilized. And massive mudslides ensue, literally shutting down the roads, which means people can't get to where they need to go. And listen, when your life is moving at a NASCAR pace, you will become saturated and destabilized. There's going to be moments in your life where you've got so much going on that you can't really figure out what to do next, that you're going to find yourself where it's easier to make mistakes. And Jesus would warn us about this in Luke chapter 21. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, with drunkenness and with the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. A second symptom of a hurried life. Maybe you found this to be true for you. My emotions are inconsistent. We've all done this before. Maybe not to this extent. But when I get in a hurry, right, my temper speeds up too. Like, it's easier for me to just go off. Like, when I'm driving down the road and somebody cuts me off, not me, I can't speak for me, I'll speak for you, but somebody cuts me off, I, I raise my hands and I'm like, hallelujah, right? You know, you, you greet them in the name of the Lord. John, Job chapter 9 would say this, my days go by faster than a runner. 
they fly away without me seeing any joy. Hear me this morning. When's the last time that you experienced joy in your world? When you woke up and you were excited about the day before you. Not where you woke up and you dreaded having to get the kids ready for school, having to walk into the office and deal with the same old people. When's the last time that you experienced true joy in your world? This is so important. Anytime your pace is too fast, you will experience less joy. Third symptom of a hurried lifestyle is this. I am less productive. And this is, this is the principle of, of sharpening the saw, so to speak, that, that you will actually get more done if you will stop from time to time and sharpen your saw. And for some of us, this is a critical message, especially for our, our, our health and, and for our family, because we think that if I can just send one more email, if I can attend one more meeting, if I can just catch that, that next flight that will get me there to get the next deal done, that everything will be okay and everything will work out. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 5 would say this careful planning puts you ahead in the long run, but hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Proverbs 19 and 2 would say this, a person in a hurry makes mistakes. Is this true of you? Have you found yourself recently making more mistakes than you would normally make? If that's true for you, you might be living at a pace that's too fast for you. Number four, fourth symptom of a hurried life is I end up empty inside. And this is, this is where it starts to get critical for many of us because we start to go through the motions of life. And, and people think that burnout comes from too much activity. And I would beg to differ because I actually believe that there's activities that you can do that restore life to you. But it's not a matter of how many hours that you spend doing something. Burnout isn't about how much activity you do. It's about doing things that have no purpose. Activity with no purpose equals burnout. And listen, this is the reason as pastors, one of the greatest things that we can do is get you plugged in into your local church and serving in an area where you can find purpose. Because once you find your purpose... Doors begin to open up and you, you begin to experience this joy that the Bible would talk about. Psalm 39 and 6 says, We are merely moving shadows and all of our busy rushing ends in nothing. Here's the last symptom of a hurried life. And I'll share a little bit more about this at the end of our time together today. But I... I feel like I've recently walked through this one in my own world. But when I am living a hurried life, it's very difficult for me to hear God. And this is so critical. This is, this is one of the biggest because we hear all the time, Pastor, how, how, do I, how do I hear God speak? And listen, it's not that God is not speaking. God is speaking. But it's all the, the background noise that we have going on in our worlds that doesn't allow us to make out what he's trying to say to us. And think about this for a moment. Pastor Doug spoke a couple of months ago, Doug Fields, about living a NASCAR life. And I got to thinking about this idea. But I want you to think about a NASCAR race first. Any NASCAR fans? Good. <laughs> Just kidding. 
as awesome and as fast as these, these race cars are, do, do you realize that the people that are closest to the beauty of these cars have to wear these noise-canceling headphones? You know why this is? Because with all the speed comes a lot of noise. With, a, with as fast as these things are, there's a lot of noise that comes with the speed. And there's a lot of things going on in our world that we're missing because of the NASCAR pace that we're trying to keep up with. And sir, ma'am, listen, I understand that you're racing towards the checkered flag, okay? I, I understand that you're, you're moving towards victory and trying to conquer and trying to do more. But listen, could it be that on your way to victory that you're racing right past your family, you're racing right past your marriage, that even could it be that you're racing right past your faith? And could it be that there will be some point in your life that you can't physically handle the pace that you're trying to keep up with? You grow tired, you grow weary, and you lose control of this fast-paced life. Guess what? You know this to be true as well. The faster the speed, the more fierce the collision. And some of us in this room today are on a direct path to the sidewall of the racetrack if we don't get this pace of life figured out. And that collision could cost you your family, could cost you your job, could cost you a whole lot more than what we tend to think in the moment. And I think some of us need a coffee mug with this inscribed on it. Psalm 46 and 10. Be still. Be still. And know... That I am God. Not just be still, but be still and know that I am God. I've got you. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time that you were quiet long enough to hear God speak to you? Or, or, or is it that every time we walk into a moment of prayer or worship that we turn to our petitions? God, I just need this. I mean, I can't pay the bills. I can't. My kids are crazy. Oh, dear heaven. My wife, she's annoying. Not my wife, your wife. When's the last time that you were quiet in his presence? Where you were still? Where you turned your cell phone off? When's the last time that you stopped long enough to hear God speak to you? I got the solution for you. You ready? I figured it out. This works for me every time. This is so powerful. It's really not. This is funny. Okay, look, show me the word. You see stressed? Here's your, here's your answer. Have you, turn, turn this word around. Let me see. Desserts. That's my answer to a stressed life. You just eat Halo Top ice cream. That way you don't feel guilty. Come on. I got more amens on that. Did But here, here is a theme. Listen, for our society. This is so true of our society today. Mark chapter 6 and 31. Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. And he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Just come with me by yourself. Leave everything else and just get with me. And I, I will give you rest. And so listen, today, we, we, so far we figured out 
We found ourselves in the symptoms. We know where we live, right, and the symptoms of a hurried life. But here's the question. How do I slow down? How do I do this, right? How do I I rein all of this in? And today, we, we really want to give you, as we have every week, these when you walk out of here, something that you can apply to your life to where you can see this fresh air begin to move you out of stagnation into purpose and destiny. And so I want to do that today. The first thing, if you want to see this fresh air blow into your world, that you need to try and put it to the test. You've got to stop the constant push for more. We get into this, this cycle, a vicious cycle of, of desiring to acquire and we buy things we don't need with really money that we don't have to impress people that truthfully we don't really like and we get over financially you know, extended and now everyone in the house, like our four-year-old child is having to work because we can't pay the bills, you know? Like, baby, can you get two jobs? Like two lemonade stands, one in the morning and one in the afternoon? Busy all the time trying to make ends meet. And listen, relationships begin to deteriorate because our lives are in balance. Ecclesiastes would say this, it's better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. It's just, it's just better to have a little bit but to have your peace of mind than to be busy all the time. You know, it's, it's interesting, in my almost 12 years of full-time ministry, I've, I've been with people who are very close to, to death. And you know what's crazy is I've never had one person look at me and tell me, Pastor Brad, I wish I would have worked more. I mean, I, I wish that I would have sent another email. I wish I would have attended another meeting. I wish I would have caught the next flight to get me there to close the next deal to open another IRA. It's never happened once, but in fact, I was at a funeral this week, and the, the nephew stepped up to speak, and you know what he said? He said, I wish I would have spent more time with my uncle before he passed away. This is what happens. People always wish that they would spend more time with family, but oftentimes, right, this is how life works. We wish too late. Instead of doing now what we will wish later, why don't we start implementing what we want to happen later now? So how do we do do this? Clearing your schedule. No, that's not the right answer. That's just a band-aid, right? Because it's easy. You'll put something else right back in as soon as you, you take one thing off of your calendar. No, no, no. We've got to deal with this discontentment that's going on in our heart. Proverbs 14 would say this. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Have you thought about this, that you cannot be relaxed and envious at the same time? You can't be at peace and relaxed and envious at the same time. You and I must stop this constant push for more. Proverbs 20 would say this, It's a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly, and only later to consider his vows. It's always easier to get into debt than it is to get out of debt. To get into a relationship than it is to get out of a relationship. To get into trouble than it is to get out of trouble. To gain what... We won't talk about that. It's always easier to get in than it is to get out. And so we've got to decide what what we will not do. 
Not only should we have a to-do list, but a a what-not-to-do list. And really, we should have a what-matters-most list. What really matters in my world? So if you're ready for this fresh air to blow into your sails again, here's the second thing that I think we need to do. And it's this, keep the Sabbath day holy. You know when God puts commands in the Bible that they're for us? Right? They're not for Him, they're for us. God is for us. Exodus chapter 20 would say this. You have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. This is not one of the Ten Commandments, but it is a, a command, and it's, it's right there with don't commit adultery and, and don't murder. That's how, that's how serious God takes this. And most of us would say, well, I'm not going to murder. I'm not going to commit adultery. And then God would say, but I want you to rest one day of the week. Well, God, I mean, come on. It's just, it's just a few hours in at the office. It, it's just, one. I mean, a, a day of rest. And listen, it doesn't have to be Sunday, though Sunday is a great day of rest. Because he says, listen, I want you to rest, and I want that day to be dedicated to me. So when you rest, your mind and your heart should be focused on him. You will start accomplishing more. Listen, church, you will start accomplishing more if you will stop and sharpen the saw from time to time. God created in six days and then he rested, not because he was tired, but because he wanted to set in for the course of history this principle that you and I should follow. Here's the last one. We need to stay close to Jesus. See how everything seems to come back to this? This kind of seems to be a theme here. Psalm, this is so powerful. Uh, If you stay close to him, this is what he will do for you. One of the most famous passages in the word of God, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When he's my shepherd, I don't have any needs. When you get close to him, watch this. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside the quiet waters. Why? This is powerful because he restores my soul. This is why there has to be these moments where, as the the old song says, that I I come to the garden alone. Where you, you get away from the noise of the world and you get alone with Jesus. And here's his invitation. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, get close to me, stay close to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, which defines many of us today. And here's what I'm going to do for you. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and I am humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you stay close to me. You're going to learn how easy it is to live life. If you stay close to me, you're going to experience the joy that you've always wanted to experience, that you've been looking for in that next business deal. The joy that you've been trying to to manufacture is going to come when you stay close to me. Take my yoke. Find your purpose. Our bodies are tired. 
Emotionally, we're, we're exhausted. Spiritually, some of us feel like we're in this dry place where, where God seems close but so far away at the same time. And you say, well, I just need a vacation. Well, a vacation won't help the emotional and spiritual fatigue. We need to get closer to Jesus. Staying close to Jesus is the only thing that's going to restore your soul. I can't do it. Pastor can't do it. Staying close to Jesus. That's what will restore your soul. Isaiah 63 and 14 would say this. They were given rest by the Spirit, the fresh air of the Lord. Ricardo, if you would help me. I told you earlier that the fifth symptom of a hurried life was something that I had struggled with in my own world recently. And, uh, man, I have. I really, really have. Really, at the beginning of the year is when it started to play itself out. And it, was, it got to the point where I, I knew I got up early, stayed up late, and I was consuming too much caffeine that a normal 34-year-old shouldn't have to do to just make it through the day. Take a pre-workout drink in the morning early, a huge cup of coffee. As soon as I got home to eat breakfast right after lunch, I would chug a monster drink. And then I would still get home after, after leaving the church, and I was exhausted. I just I felt like I was walk, going through the motions. I didn't have anything to offer my kids, my wife. I was trying, but it just it wasn't there. Like, you know what I'm talking Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever... Literally, it got to the point where I told Cassie, I said, babe, I'm going to go to the doctor. Something, something is not like, something's not right. Yeah, is it, maybe I'm deficient in something. I don't know. And then about a month and a half ago, it's amazing. It's so amazing how God works. About a month and a half ago, we had the privilege to go to the Philippines to visit an orphanage, and it wasn't, we weren't going to paint stuff, we weren't going to build stuff. We were going to, to an orphanage to spend time with these kids, just to, just to share the love of Jesus, to play, to hug, to love on. And, uh, you know, let me show you some pictures. I think, do we have some pictures of Ima's home? This is, this is the entrance to the orphanage that we were at, and as, we, as you walk up, kids are literally running out, you know, from where they're at. As you get out of the vans, they're just holding on to your legs. I mean, it's the, the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. This is Cassie with some girls that we never met. This, they're going to school here in this little bus and just playing, hanging out with the kids. And then I'm drawn to little babies. I like little babies. Because when they get out, you got to dab when you're in the Philippines. You know what I'm saying? That was their idea. But I'm drawn to little babies, and we got to, we got through kind of hanging out with them for the moment, and we noticed that we, the little infants weren't there, and of course, they're not out running around because they can't do that yet. But we found the nursery area. As we walk in, I think I've got a picture of a little girl, the first picture here, I think. This is Annalisa, and... She was in the nursery when we got there. And I want to show you a picture of this. This is, this, is what, this is her in her crib. Keep this picture up for a minute. This is what I saw when I walked into her room. Her leg was hanging out of her crib. 
It seems like she had just woken up. I'm not sure. But, but it was one of those moments where I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I'm not supposed to come in and pick her up. Like she would, she would go crazy and start screaming if, if I did that. I knew that I was going to have to warm up to her. You know? you know what I'm talking about with kids? Sometimes you just have to ease into it. And so this was what it was for me. Will you show the next picture? So this is what it was. This is the picture. I, I literally, this was not planned. I, I didn't have the, it just happened. And somebody caught a picture of this. But I sat here for 30 to 45 minutes. I didn't say a word. Just in my own mind, I'm just, I, I love you. Jesus loves you. And I'm rubbing her hand. And there was probably 20 other people in the room, but I promise you, and this is, God is my witness. I don't remember one thing that was said in this moment. Here's the only thing that I remember, that in the corner of the room, there was a fan. And it was going back and forth, blowing fresh air. (laughs) I don't remember anything else from the moment, but I was sitting there and I'm trying to pour out love to her. Her mom left her when she was born, literally in, in, in a room, just completely left her. No blanket. She was born on a bare concrete floor. And I'm trying to show the love of Jesus. And in this moment, as I'm stroking her hand, still going through this season of, of, of tiredness and being exhausted, it was as if God just dropped into my spirit. Son, this is exactly how you and I's relationship needs to be. Brett, I had to get you on the other side of the world to get you still enough and quiet enough to hear my voice. If you will forget everything that's going on around you and you will just sit down in my presence, put your hand in mine and let me just stroke your hand and tell you how much I love you, tell you how wonderful you are because I created you. Just be still and get alone. And more was done for me in this 30 minutes than I gave the entire week of that trip. God did something for me that changed my life forever. And I will promise you this. If you will put this principle into practice, here's the third one. Are you ready? Slow down. Slow down. It's not about how fast you can go or how much you can do, but it's about getting in his presence when you're quiet, when everything is away, and allowing him to just love on you. And when you will do that, you're going to start to notice the fresh air of the Holy Spirit flow into your world, and you're going to move back into purpose. You're going to move.